Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. Brandon, we are heading into Super Bowl Sunday next week, this week coming up, and we got some reflections. You know, like some, we're sitting at Walden Pond, we're being, you know, we're pretty calm right now, but it's a couple of weeks removed from getting, getting our butts whipped and getting ousted in the playoffs. We're going to reflect a little bit today. So a few weeks removed, Brandon, how are you now feeling? How are you doing as the Super Bowl's about about to get played down in Tampa Bay? I knew you couldn't quit me, Clinton. I, I'm glad that this didn't take a long time here to get back together, to get back into talking football. And we get to talk some Seahawks football because, yes, the Seahawks have a new offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, and I know I know that after watching the championship game weekend, watching the AFC, watching the NFC, you now have thoughts that uh, that you kind of want to bring to this discussion around the new offensive coordinator, the Seahawks of the future and what we're going to be looking at. I think maybe maybe we'll even talk about the Super Bowl next week. Yeah, maybe we will. And num- number one, I want to address the fact that that no, I cannot, I can't quit you. This is this is one hundred percent accurate. You know, last year we we get through three and three out, and there was a there was a longer gap, right? It was like, all right, I'm gonna take take a little time off. It was I was pulling a Jeremy with the trivia for the for the Seahawkers pod fans out there, right? I'll see you see you next uh, next fall, basically. However, this time around. There's action already. And, you know, we had talked. We want to keep some of the three in, three out vibes going at least at least periodically throughout the offseason, because because why not? It's been it's been a great a great year. And while we're not going to go through, you know, the sober yins and the raging gangs, there won't be any MVC today. And there's no brand in. But maybe there is. Who knows? Maybe you got something you got to pull out of that hat of yours. However, there was a lot to talk about really reflecting on on the on the playoffs and as they marched on. And Brandon, the thing that it did for me was it really kind of amplified some of our warts, which is not not a fun thing, but sometimes you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, all right, I'm not quite good enough here. So as I watched some of these teams progress, part of me was pissed off because I'm like, wait a second, we could and should, we could beat these teams. Wait a second, these teams are better than my team. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's saying we're all thinking, right? So... (laughs) But yeah, but some of them were better than us in other areas. I'm like, we we could whip this team if we played differently. We'll talk about that. But the other side of it was there were some, you know, some of the glaring holes that we had were just really evident when you go watch some of these other teams do some things that we just don't do. But the but the power of yet, the power of yet, things we don't do yet. So Brandon, today it won't be the tradition three in, three out, but I do believe in the magic of threes, not just because of Russell Carrington Wilson, but because it's a thing. Just go look it up, go Google it. But today I want to talk with you about three S's. I want to talk scheme, I want to talk speed, and I want to talk slot. So what if I just put those into a grab bag and, you know, tell you to close your eyes and go go grab a nugget? Is Is there a jumping off point that you want to go to? Scheme, speed, or slot? I think with the hiring of the new offensive coordinator, let's start with scheme. You know, I figured you might go there and I and I love it. You know, I I it was I didn't want to I didn't want to steer it completely. However, however, there was a channel I was hoping you'd go down and it's like, you know, it's like if, if it's a plinko board, I wanted you to just guide it that way and you know, hopefully hit the 5000 and not the zero. We hit the 5000, we're going to scheme. 
So I want to start off with this with, you know, we, we got Shane Waldron. Now, I love the idea of the Waldron cauldron. You and Adam talked about this. If he gets the Andy Reid pot belly, then he's got he's got the nickname potentially right there with the Waldron cauldron. However, I do want to call out. I think you guys missed one. I think anytime you get a, a name Shane, Sugar Shane, Sugar Shane Waldron is a pretty okay nickname, especially if that guy could be, you know, a little sweet, if he could bring bring something dynamic to the team. So I want to offer that right away. What do you think about Sugar Shane Waldron? I like Sugar Shane. I like Shane the Brain. Ooh, uh, because like yeah, this is this is something I've I've been thinking about. A lot of people saying Waldo. I, I think Waldo is maybe the easiest way uh out. And so I, I'm trying to go one, you know, an extra level above the easiest level. Yeah. And so Sugar Shane, yeah. I, I think we could go with that. And, and I, I like the one. I like Shane. Shane the Brain's great, too, because that, that reminds me of Bobby the Brain Heenan there. So right. you know, I'm going to get my, I mean, my that, WWF. I, I don't even think you needed to say that. Everybody just knew that when I said Shane the Brain, that that was the, that was the image that came to everybody listening. Yeah, anybody of a particular age, and if you didn't, then shame on you. You got to keep up with us. This is not this is not an us problem here. And you know, I, I I'm not going to sit here and profess that like when we fired Shoddy, which I think was the right move. When that happened, I was like, oh man, let's go, let's go get Waldron. This has got to be the guy. Like most Seahawks fans, I didn't really know the guy. I got to I got to be honest. I'm not following the Rams, you know, pass coordinator. However, I am excited because when I watched the playoffs unfold, you know, number one, if you can make Goff and team scheme and look competent, and then you get you get such an upgrade, I think we're in a really nice spot there. But the other thing was, as we watched the playoffs unfold, it's just the ability for these teams to just use levels in such conceptually better ways than we did for at least half the season, where it's just you're scheming dudes into... Basically, it's like, dude, you want to play zone on us? You want to play some sort of cover two? You want to do this? Cool. We're going to layer in three different choices and then kind of retrain Russ a little bit to, like you guys talked about it recently, take what's freaking there, not always take the deep shot. And I think with Sugar Shane, we have a real, real potential to do that. So that was the big thing for me, like, you know, watching Tampa Bay, even watching Green Bay, certainly watching the Chiefs. It's all about these dynamic levels that I think we are going to see come 2021. And I think this speaks to, too, the one of the things that was tweeted out under the at field goals account on Twitter on Saturday is that when you're talking about scheme, you look at the Seahawks and you look at the Rams. And one of the things that was posted was going back the last three years, the Seahawks with yards after the catch and broken tackles. In 2018, they were 26th in the NFL. In 2019, they were 23rd. In 2020, they were 24th. But if you look at the Rams passing offense over these last three years, number six in 2018, number six in 2019, number five in 2020, and broken tackles actually fit in with those yards after the catch and the ability to break tackles. They were first in 2019. The Rams were third in 2020 whereas the Seahawks were 27th and 29th in those same years. So they, and I saw one of the comments and it, it made me laugh a little bit to somebody. And I think it was tongue in cheek saying, well, they just need to scheme more broken tackles. Then the thing is you can actually do it. And it, I think it goes back to how they look in terms of levels and how they look in terms of 
hitting guys in stride. You know, as the quarterback hits his back foot, he's looking for the receiver. The receiver's on the run. It's a lot easier to break a tackle when you're running away from a guy and the guy's trying to arm tackle you than when you're throwing the ball relatively deep and the, your, your receiver's having to wait for the ball and just get smushed. So there's there's definitely ways that you can scheme an offense to try and get more yards after the catch and ultimately break more tackles. Listen, I'm, I'm a yak guy, and, and I didn't realize we were so deficient in our yak. With that, too, that you were going through that, and the play that came to mind early in the year was the crosser to Metcalf, where yeah. we get that beautiful crosser. Oh, it's on time. It's in stride. And then, oh, by the way, he's a freak of nature. Right. So he didn't even have to break a tackle to get yak correct, on that one. Cor- he just correct, it was well blocked cor- and he was able to just run away from everybody. Cor- cor- so but that's the other outcome, right? It's like, okay, if, if you don't need to break tackles, then he's gone for six. Beautiful. And and it's like, okay, we showed that we can do that. It's like it's like when you go do something once and it's a smash success, and you're like, all right, let's never do that again. Let's never, let's just uh, call it trash it. That was garbage. Meanwhile, it's like, wait a second. That was highly successful yeah. because why don't because we do that more? You know, the thing that worked. Let's do more of that. And I'm really, I mean, listen, we have we have Lockett and we got DK. And then okay, well, you know, we got some issues at tight end. However, I do believe Disley, after a full year coming back, the Duke could stay healthy. I, I think, I think he'll be back to somewhat of what he was the year before. If we can scheme these dudes into levels in stride over, over the middle, the medium sized passes and the check downs, then yeah. And maybe we could retain Carson. Maybe we we'll talk about that today or it's a different time, but we got dudes who can break tackles. So that excites me. I didn't know those numbers. I love the fact that you brought that up. So to me, scheme was the biggest, biggest thing. I know it's fairly obvious, but Getting into those 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 multiple levels was so interesting to see. And again, you got freaking Tom Brady back in the Super Bowl again. You got you got the Chiefs, who are clearly the most dynamic team out there. It's, and it's not just personnel. Yes, they got Kelsey. Yes, they got Hill. We're going to talk about speed later. But they just scheme dudes open. And what I, uh, one thing I want to say too is when we looked at Sugar Shane or Ken Dorsey, there was a lot of fervor for Ken Dorsey. He might end, he might end up being awesome. I don't know. You know, like okay, whatever. I know Ken Dorsey because I you know know him from from uh, you know from the U and all that jazz. And with that, the Bills team, while I was cheering for them and I thought they had a shot against the Chiefs, they were the most flawed because a they cannot run the ball and b lots of their stuff was we're going to depend on Josh Allen being an absolute freak, which which becomes a lot like. We're going to depend on Russell Wilson being an absolute freak. Now, one's a scribble play, and one's one's a dude who could huck the ball forty yards on the run and, and you know hit hit digs in stride. A little bit different, but philosophically, I was like, you know what? I'd rather have I'd rather have Sugar Shane. I think he's coming from a better system versus Ken Dorsey. Is just like to me, they're just relying on Allen to be great, and they can't run the ball worth worth a lick. And with Ken Dorsey, you know, he's been in the league, I guess, just since 2013 as the quarterback's coach. He's been in the NFL going back before that. But the the thing about hiring a guy like Dorsey, I got to thinking, well, Austin Davis, you know, being within the Seahawks system, I don't know if you can make that hire and then also keep that relationship. Whereas I think with Shane the Brain, you have some time in the NFL, even though the guys are you know roughly the same age. 
you you still have more of that NFL experience to back up and say this guy coming from outside the organization brings something different than what we've been doing within the organization. Uh, you know, I think flawlessly said, and and I'm and I'm excited. So it was just to, to put a put a bow on on Sugar Shane the Brain uh, Waldron here for us. It was exciting, right? We get we get done with it, and it's an early off season move where it has a high ceiling. And there's there's some risk there. That's fine. Any any change with an OC, there's always risk. The ceiling with that guy, I felt, was the highest that I saw out there from the potential candidates that were still out there. Because there was always that possibility that Pete would go find some dude that he coached with, you know, 35 years ago before he got to USC. Be like, oh, that's my guy. Yeah. And that's not what happened. I give credit. I think they I think they made a good hire and I'm really excited way more than I typically would be this early in, in a Seahawks offseason. So we got speed and we got slot Clinton. Where do we go next? This is listen, this is your show. You we we may, we may not have the brand in, but you know, God is our co-pilot from Cannonball Run, but you got the wheel. Where do you want to go? Well, since it is offense, I think you could argue that speed is something team-wide and that could be incorporated on all levels. So let's stick with something that is firmly on offense and go with slot. How do you know I'm not talking about slot corner, dude? Because <laughs> we have Ugo Amati, dude. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> so so and and we and we what we don't have is a slot receiver, right? So looking back at the playoffs, right? Watching the playoffs and you just you just see what is afforded to teams when they have that slot guy. And it's just been such a for me, I've been, you know, as you would know, I'm off the David Moore wagon. I've been off that for a year plus. It'll second half of last year, I'm like, I don't think this is the guy. I don't think he's the guy to be our third wide receiver. Now we had Dorset. You know, if if Dorset happened to be healthy and we were able to get him in this year. Maybe it's a different conversation, Brandon, but the fact is we didn't. And I don't want to see Lockett be, you know, reserved in the slot. This team really needs to anchor around finding a slot guy. And it's an interesting position in the NFL for a couple of reasons. Number one, these are dudes you can find A, later in the draft, or B, it's almost like the guy in hockey that sticks around for six, seven, eight more years because they just know how to play the game. They they can skate, they know position very well, and they could just stick around and bang in 20 goals on, on a team that makes a deep, a deep playoff run. You could find vets who just know their stuff, who know how to you know get into wrinkles, get into the nooks and crannies, if you will, and move the chain. So I think it's it's super important. I don't care how we solve for it. But I want to see a, a solid slot dude coming into camp this year. And those guys are out there, like you're saying. And, and when you look at a team like the Buffalo Bills and Cole Beasley out there playing on a broken leg and, and catching passes and, and able to be that reliable guy for Josh Allen when, in, when Allen's not throwing to Diggs way. And so I, I think you need that reliable type guy. And even though I, I feel like Metcalf is trying to work into that reliability role for Russell Wilson. I, I know there is that chemistry there with with Tyler Lockett. It it still doesn't feel quite to that level of when it was third down and you knew Doug Baldwin was going to find yes. an open spot and and Russ just had Baldwin. It's it's like everybody knew where the ball was going 
Russ knew where the ball was going. Baldwin knew that he was going to get the ball. The entire defense knew that Baldwin was going to get the ball, and they still could make the play anyway. And that's the guy that you want. Yeah, and that's that's when you're that's when teams could do nothing about it, right? That's that's that is the beauty of having a team in that scenario, uh, being at that level where it's like you know it's coming. An example might be some of those Tyreek Hill outs the last couple of weeks on fourth down that they ran, where it's like, yeah, dude, we're going to run this every single time we have to go get two yards, and you cannot stop it. Now, obviously, Tyreek Hill, very special player, and back to the slot fo- focus, it's I'm with you. That that's the dude, right? And I realize Baldwin was way more special than just a slot guy. Yeah. But that's what we're talking about here. It's like really finding that that third wide receiver who is who just made a career. In fact, I would I want to ask you this: What would you prefer, right? Because you talk about Cole Beasley, you know, guys like that. They're not exactly expensive. Would you prefer? They use they use the draft because they're in a pretty cool position where it's like, all right, you're not going to draft that guy in the first round anyway. Right. Would you prefer they go the draft route or would you prefer they kind of look at the veteran bunches that might be out there and say, this is just make it a priority. Go get a top two or three dude who might be a free agent. How do you want them to do that grab bag? If I had a preference between the two, I, I think I would want them to do both. And I'll tell why you not? why. This is America, right? <laughs> yes. Why do I got you? Let's do both. For, for this next year, I think free agency makes the most sense because you, you want somebody that can come in and fill that role immediately. And I don't know if, the, if you're drafting, you can find a guy in the third or fourth round that can that can come in and ultimately be that guy right away. So I, I think they need to find it through free agency for 2021. I agree that if, if it was one or the other, I want the sure thing in that position. I want the proven commodity, even if it means you overpay a little bit, uh, you know, whatever that means. Like that's like, you know, an extra 1.25 million or, you know, 800,000 extra on top of what you would typically give that guy, whatever. Go, go solidify that position. Go get yourself that, that extra, get, get, get that third right receiver who's a true slot guy. And then you bring in Sugar Shane the brain. And watch out this this team could this team can go places. So, um, but I do think that a guy like Tyler Lockett, you might actually see him increase. Interestingly, just while we're having this conversation, looking at the top performing players in the slot, Tyler had top ten in terms of snaps in the slot position. So you know he's already kind of the the guy that you would expect to be there. That's more slot snaps than cup from la is that is that cooper cup i think it's cooper cup he's the only cup Cup that i know and i'm really trying to avoid the one name full name cooper cup (laughs) all i can say about all this is there's there's gonna be so many slots in las vegas yeah speaking of slots i we have to fit some ad slots in right here all the slots i'll make that money go hit it It's one of those special three in, three out type episodes with Clinton Bonner and myself. And we're going through just some of the offensive needs for this upcoming season, kind of celebrating the new offensive coordinator, celebrating the, the where we are in the playoffs, even though we're not in the playoffs. But looking at some of the things that that we see on those other teams so far, we've hit scheme, we've hit slot. And now we haven't talked about speed, Clinton. Let's talk about some speed. 
Yeah, this is the uh, you know the, the need for speed. This is this is old Mickey throwing down a chicken, and, and Stallone's got to go got to go chase a chicken in, in some sort of horrible looking gray sweatshirt that he's in in the chicken coop, and and it's this became super. Just again, it was like watching the playoffs. What are we missing? We talked about this during the season. We and this is why I'm so. I, I think David Moore has had a. I think he's made the most out of what he has um, ability wise, and he's, he's made some big plays. So I can't I can't kill the dude. David Moore's been good. However, when we try to use more, and that's pretty much who it's been. Now it'd be interesting if uh, if Freddie if Freddie Swain can be this next year. We'll see. We'll see if that's there. With that, when we try to use David Moore specifically, especially the last like six weeks, I, I don't think the dude has any knees left. When we try to use them in, in things like the jet sweep, or we try to use them in just scenarios where it's like super short area quickness needed, where the three cone drill actually matters, like those kind of things where it's like, okay, it is fourth and two, it is it is third and five. We just one dude's got to just make a move and get open. I feel like we don't have that. We just and it and to me it boils down to pure quickness. So when I say speed, I want to crystallize that a bit. I don't mean DK Metcalf forty yard sprint blown away Julio Jones speed because that's how fast the guy is. That's not the kind of speed. I'm really meaning quickness and really short area quickness. This team just seems to lack it, or Seattle did in 2020. And you look at the teams that are moving on, they do not, especially the Chiefs. It's so interesting to me that for a, a, a coach that values speed the way that Pete Carroll does, because you see it through a lot of the draft picks, the receivers that they select, they tend to go out and, and find guys who have that straight line 40 speed. One of the free agents that they went for in the offseason was Dorsett. And he has that speed, but he also has some of that quickness, too. So uh, that was a, what they had when they went out and they drafted Golden Tate. It's one mm -hmm. of the big moves that they went out when they got Percy Harvin. So yep. it's something that you know that Pete values, but somehow they're not able to make it show up on the field quite, even though they have a lot of those those speed type pieces. And so I, I do think quickness is a part of it, too, but I think. Scheme can also be a part of it in that uh, the way you draw things up to to really take advantage of the speed that you have on the team. So all of these, in a way, they do tie in together. But I think that they are missing that in terms of short area quickness. People point to that. Just guys that have wiggle. I didn't see a lot of that even with guys like Travis Homer and you know Chris Carson doesn't have a ton of that either. Just guys that are shifty and able to make guys miss that way. So I think all of these components fit within the speed category. And, and there is a super interesting Venn that's here. These things do, you know, crash together in, in a way to say like, there's probably a possibility to, to serve a couple of masters here with a player, like literally a single player. If you get the right slot guy that has the juicy wiggle, like we're talking about here, or we're going to have to make some decisions. Maybe it's more than one player. We're going to have to make some decisions with the running back. And, and again, maybe we'll talk about it at a different time. You know how I feel about Chris Carson. Dude's my favorite dude on the team. I will go on the record and say, I want to resign him. Just got to see, got to see what the market's going to give him. And may, maybe we can. But beyond that, like you said, all right, Carson's got enough of that, that first level wiggle, but 
he's not a, a wiggle guy per se. And much, Rashad much more Penny of a, has that breakaway speed, but it's but it, not the shiftiness, not right. that. So you're yeah, missing that, that too, and and so finding finding all that in one player, I think, is tough. And that's when you start to look at guys that are drafted in the top five in the NFL, but. Um, I guess Camara is the guy that has that, but oh, he's got he's got Camara's got whatever he wants to go do out there for the most part, right? But he's a special he's a, he's a special talent. Maybe you find him that that'd be great. But no, it does not exist. It's not Homer. It's not it's not Hyde. I don't think Hyde will be back. It's not DJ Dallas. I, I I just don't think he has that kind of that kind of wiggle like we're talking about. And back to the wide receivers, it's it's not that straightaway speed. It's it's it is it is the the ability to come in and out. And and be super super quick. So we ran a good amount of jet sweeps this year. We did more of those things this year, and for the most part, they were successful. Yet, if you're watching the Chiefs game and you see Hardman going for like 50 yards after the dude drops an easy one, he's around that corner. The dude's gone now. Yes, is it well blocked? Yes, it is. But it's a jet sweep. The jet sweep, the jet sweep, the jet sweep. It's like okay, they blocked it well. And they got that dude who could turn the corner and be like, whoa, like good luck. And they also happen to have Hill. So they're, you know, they're just, they're just a different team with that. I'll go to one with the bills. I have, you know, I've been kind of slamming the bills a little bit saying, you know, they, they were the most, the most almost like Seattle, just truly dependent on great quarterback play versus scheming the dudes open. But McKenzie on the bills, McKenzie is like the, he's that little dude that is so freaking quick. He's there for. You got Diggs, you got Beasley, you got uh, Brown, you got Gabriel. He's their five. Sorry. Yeah. He is their fifth receiver. And I always love analogies, especially back to baseball. He's their specialist. It's okay. It'd be great. It'd be great if the guy's RWR3 and he happens to have that wiggle. It's okay if he's R4, but he has that wiggle. But it's a missing component for a team to be that dynamic so you can blow out that jet sweep you can do that quick little bubble screen and that dude has a significant chance to take it at least 20 30 40 yards down the field which by the way would give us a lot of yak you need the speed to get the yak you need the speed to break the tackles yeah it's just uh, team speed is something that i would say that this team is missing in in certain respects on offense but it's also something that they have been missing a bit on defense. And I think we saw that improve at least from 2019 and into 2020. And a big part of that was getting Jamal Adams. A big part of that was drafting and actually playing Jordan Brooks. So it, uh, I, I think that part of it worked. Alton Robinson, I thought adding his speed on the edge to to diagnose some of those jet sweep type plays too. That was helpful this season. So I guess in terms of speed, where they could improve, it's probably still more on offense than defense because it does seem like they they did make somewhat of a focus of it on defense coming into this season. Yeah, and I'd agree, and that was that was one of the reasons I wanted to like have the first discussion in the offseason be about be about these things all kind of gravitated around the offense because I think if you ask most Seahawks fans out there, hey, which one which one lagged down the stretch? offense or defense and take away like, Oh, we played, we played the Washington football team. We played some crappy teams, crappy quarterbacks, even, even into the playoffs, whatever. Yeah. Defense got run over a little bit, but again, cause they weren't there on the field for so dang long. And we, and we, we couldn't sustain anything going on on offense. It was, it was very night and day to, to see kind of where to lay the blame. Hence, 
you know, Shadi's head is on a pike and, and Ken Norton Jr.'s is is still pike free at this point. So it's a fun off season, which is, I kind of feel like all you could ask for because like, hey, we're about to get into February and there's already some enthusiasm and some intrigue. And for me, that typically doesn't happen to like around the draft. You know, mm. if it becomes like, you know, late March and you're starting to percolate about the draft and you start to kind of get back into it. But I do love the idea that getting the new OC gave us some early juice. I'm ho- I'm hopeful that it continues because, you know, first of all, Lord knows we could use it right now. So, so some fun things to talk about. Are there any other elements to you? So we talk scheme, we talk speed, we talk slot. Was there any other pieces? Here's a little brand in. Anything else there for you that was like, you know, you watch the the, the playoffs evolve and unfold. Anything else stick out to you where you're like, man, I wish we had that. Well, it has to fit in. Does it have to fit in with the the kind of the theme of all S's? Because I, I'm trying to find a word uh, for blocking that starts with an S. So maybe I just go with blocking. Splocking. Yeah, just blocking. Yeah, block. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say quickly. Yes, right. It was. Um, we saw some, and but but I also do think that does that does bleed back into scheme. You know, much more that the, the Maddie Browns of the world will talk about the X's and O's and and what the change in Waldron might mean because he's bringing in his guy from the Rams. And what is that going to mean for Solari? And are we going to go to these these wider gap schemes? And that's that's kind of a bit outside of my my domain, to be honest. But I'll listen to the other experts that are more X and O's focused. And with that, you're right. We try so hard to to get kind of the right O-line in place. And then we play the Rams that third time and it, and it, it went away. It went away. And it went away in the same exact way that the same thing Green Bay ran into. Green Bay lost that game because Tampa Bay caused havoc basically from Jump Street in Rogers' face all day long. Like the t- Tampa Bay defensive line won that game. You say, who won it? It's not Brady. It was it was freaking Vita Vey. It's, it's it's those dudes. They won that game. Brady had a little bit to do with it, though. He well, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Fine. And I'm not a Brady hater. I know. Listen, I know Bloomy's going to come off the top rope and go, how do you not lay? You hate this guy. And he's going to he's going to hammer me. But I don't hate Tom Brady. Um, and with that, it was still that that was that was the Bucks D line, which you and Adam brought up. You talked about like the career arc of of quarterbacks. Yeah. And, you know, Brady's back. Yeah, in we that keep spot. teasing that. Check that out. Seahawkerspodcast.com. Oh, the yeah, latest episode, absolutely. if you haven't checked it out. And uh we did get into some of these similar discussions, but you're, you're about to talk about the arc of the quarterback. And one of the discussions is once a quarterback starts to get older, you have to start putting things around him. And I, I would look, I was looking in some of the field goals comment section earlier and some of the things that need to change in 2021. And somebody was saying, you know, well, Russell Wilson needs to slim down and get back to that more quicker self that he used to be. And it's like, well, you know, Russell's 32 he, he and he kind of needs that weight just to take the kind of beating that he has tended to take over these past few years. I'm fine with the type of mobility that Russ has. He can be the Aaron Rodgers type mobile guy who can still roll out in the pocket and pick up 10, 15 yards when he needs to run it. Yeah, it's only 10, 15 instead of 15, 20, 25, but that's okay. That's that moves the sticks. It keeps you going. And if it's what he needs to maintain his health throughout a whole season, then, yeah, I, I don't think speed at the quarterback spot is as necessary as it is in the other spot or blocking. 
Splocking. And I want, <laughs> we'll talk a little more splocking. And with that, how many years has Russell Carrington Wilson played in the NFL now? I think he's getting into his 10th season coming up in 2021. Okay. So he's played nine years. How many starts has Russell Carrington Wilson missed in nine years of playing in the NFL? Zero. Zero. Right. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to troll. Uh, this is, you know, I'm going to troll the commenter via a podcast because I I know he'll see it. And yes, I'm going to assume it's some dude sitting there. And uh, yes, I get it. Would we like him to be 2014 Slim Russ and, and, and be a little bit slippery? Yeah, fine. But it's not how it works. It's something called time. Yeah. When, when Mahomes <laughs> like, gets into his early to mid thirties, when Kyler Murray gets into his earlier mid thirties, there are, those guys are going to slow down too. Yeah. It's, it, it does happen to the best of us. And with that, you know, we're still geared up. We still, we still have, we're right there, which is, which uh, if I want to bring it, bring it to a, you know, a fine point is yes, we lost. It was a dis- disappointing postseason. This team is still just a couple of tweaks away because, well, you got the friggin' star quarterback. You got the star linebacker. You got a great de- defensive back core. You've, You've created a very interesting defensive line. Yeah, there's some things to go figure out, you know, free agent-wise and who you're bringing back. This team is right freaking there. Oh, by the way, you've got DK and Tyler. There's stuff to figure out, but juxtapose us versus the other 30 teams that are are not not playing next Sunday, and we're going to pitch far to the right in like, where would you rather be as a team? We're we're way way on the graph of like yeah I'd still rather be the Seahawks than than probably ninety percent of the other teams that are not playing uh, next Sunday and I'm okay with that. Well, Clinton, even when you look within the division, you have the Rams and and they just answered one of their big questions. But you know the they, the 49ers, they still have their big question of what they're going to do at quarterback. So hopefully we don't find out just in the next twenty four hours that the Niners have gone off and got Deshaun Watson and some crazy trade too because then this division looks. Uh, a lot more scary than it did you know, just a few days ago. But uh, well, let's talk about that for a minute. Matthew Stafford to the Rams. They give up two future first round picks and th- they upgrade. They upgrade at quarterback. But I, I guess the question to me is how much of an upgrade from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford is it? Well, I, I got a take. I have a take here, Brandon. So I think for me, I think it's a pretty significant upgrade. This um you know, this is the NFL and the NFL is a quarterback league and they go from what is a pretty much a clear bottom third. I don't want to look at stats. Don't, you know, don't throw, oh, Goff did this three seasons ago and all that jazz. And, oh, they won the game last year versus Seattle. Just put up with a broken thumb. I don't care. Goff, Goff is a bottom third quarterback. And when he's, when he has pressure, he's like bottom two. He's trash. He's not, he's not a good NFL quarterback. It's basically the end of his career in, in all likelihood. Stafford is a, very potential top 10 dude every year for the next, like, you know, let's say he's got three, four good years left. It's a quarterback league. Like as much as I dislike the Rams, I have to step back and be like, all right, did they get out of like two poison pills with Gurley and Goff pretty much consecutively and do it in a way where, yeah, you got to pay to get out of them. They were bad contracts, but they did it. They're out of it. They still have Donald. They got a lot of question marks going into next year. But if you're asking me, is that a significant upgrade? Are they a much better team? I think they are. I think they are going to. Obviously, they're going to have a better quarterback. And I, I don't necessarily. I, 
I've, I've pointed out some of the things just for fun, just the fact that Jared Goff's been in one more Pro Bowl than Matthew Stafford has. Matt Stafford has yet to win a playoff game, which Jared Goff has three of those playoff wins. I, I think and I think that one might be a little bit significant because obviously those Lions teams were good enough to make it to the playoffs. And you, you do have to have a team around you, though. They, they've never won the division under Matt Stafford. So I have that question of how much of an upgrade it's going to be necessarily because I, it's obvious to me, too. He's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I still think he's probably the third best quarterback in the division. I'd rather have Russell Wilson. I think I'd rather have Kyler Murray, too, uh, just because he has a little bit different of a skill set. So I think this it's going to make the Rams better. I just wonder how the Rams and I had this question even before they made the move to get rid of Goff and get Stafford, because going into this year, Clinton, the Rams and their salary cap issues. I mean, after this trade, they're still. 35 million over their salary cap going into this next upcoming season. And they just did deals for Jalen Ramsey. And, you know, the Aaron Donald deal isn't all that old. And you know, Cooper Cup and Woods are top paid players. So those are their guys. They have three guys making over $20 million in the NFL this year. And they're losing Leonard Floyd, potentially, you know, Gerald Everett, John Johnson. So there's a lot of pieces on defense they can lose now because it, it's going to be tough for them to come in under the cap. And, and we still don't know exactly what that's going to mean. And they, and they can do all kinds of shifting. So I, I just I have those questions. And I think the Rams, I think they have more of a potential to regress as a team after this last year, even with the addition of Stafford. Yeah, I think that to me is the there was some hyperbole. Uh, when this broke on Twitter, you know, I think it was actually uh, Samuel Gold who he does fantastic breakdowns. I, 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 he's a great follow on Twitter. It's amazing videos, but it was there was a there was a lot of well, this makes the Rams a you know a, a Super Bowl favorite, like a top two, top three Super Bowl favorite. And I'm like, I'm like, wait a second. So I think both things can be true. Is it a for me? Is it a significant upgrade at a very important position? Yeah, it is. Are they still in salary cap hell where they're going to have to make some legit choices and probably lose quite a bit of talent? Yes, it is. Will the 2021 Rams with Stafford be better than the 2020 Rams with Goff? That, that's obviously the big TBD. I'd say that, you know, I think things are going to kind of wash. I think they're going to still be a, a good team. They're clearly well coached. And now, of course, we got Sugar Shane the brain. So we'll see how much of that comes over to us and it washes over to us. But I am, I still think they're a good organization. I think they're well run. For me, it's it goes back to, is the NFL a QB league? The answer is yes. Is this, to me, a significant upgrade of QB? It is a yes. So I think there's going to be tumult and there'll be challenges. However, they've been able to manipulate the salary cap. They've been, they've been able to still make trades. They've been able to punt first-round picks and yet still put out teams that win. So I think the division got tougher yesterday, and that is not a great thing for our Seahawks. Now, again, let's let's hold out hope that you know, Rodgers or Deshaun Watson or somebody else doesn't fly over to the Niners next because that would be dreadful. What my hope is, Clinton, is that we can gather all that energy, all that energy from from all the people out there that went so hard and heavy into GameStop's stock. Get those people, get that energy and just focus that energy like a Death Star, point it right at Deshaun Watson and have that go away from the San Francisco 49ers because we do not want 
Deshaun Watson going to the San Francisco 49ers. That would be the worst possible outcome that we could see out of that particular move. There's, I don't know how many other teams in the league, probably 20 plus that would be better spots for him in my eyes because I just don't want him here in the division. Yeah, and if he does land here, then put all your savings into Dogecoin and let it ride. Like, who cares? <laughs> I already lost all my Doge. Well, I'm sorry to hear that about the Dogecoin, Brandon, but, uh, you know, I'm going to keep investing in, like, I don't know, Amazon. That one seems pretty good to me. So I'm going to chunk into Amazon and Apple. Those could come down. I'll, I'll buy some mic more Microsoft. If everybody wants to go play with the Dogecoin, go ahead. Have, have fun. Have at it. I'm buying low back into Doge. I'm riding it to a dollar, Clinton. When you get to a dollar, let's party. Let's, let's, you know, who cares? Break all protocols. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. But if you get that bad boy back to a dollar, that means you're Scrooge McDuck in it. So that'll be, that'll be mighty righteous. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>